Good morning. Uh, this is part nine of the teaching series that I'm doing here on Ephesians, uh, Paul's letter to the Ephesian church. And uh, we had just finished this past episode, Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 10. And today we will be starting with, we're starting into Ephesians chapter 2, 11 through 22. But before we read uh, those uh, verses from 11 through 22 in chapter 2, I want to read Ephesians 1, 7 through 10 as a lead-in to what we will be looking at in chapter 2, verse 11 through 22. So let me start with chapter 1, verse 7 through 10. In him, in Jesus, he's referencing, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mysteries of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Now, Paul uses this word mystery here in verse 9, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. So this word mystery, what does, what, does, what does Paul mean by this word mystery? We think like, is there something hidden that God's not letting us in on? Or, or is Paul giving us some, uh, some new understanding of what God's, God had hidden? That's what it means. The word mystery here is, is, a, is a divine secret uh, that was hidden in the heart of God in the past. But it was right now, God is now uh, bringing, it, bringing disclosure to it for our understanding. And, and not only our understanding, but for our application. It's important to know this, right? But it's not just for us to gain some knowledge. Like, oh, we understand this now. It's supposed to be applied. It's supposed to, as Paul prays for wisdom and uh, revelation and the knowledge of God. In chapter 1, he's, he's talking about knowledge and wisdom is, is the ability to practically apply the experience and the understanding and the knowledge we have. So here's this mystery that God has hidden. And in the Old Testament, he didn't fully disclose what his purposes were and his intent was in the end because Christ hadn't come. But in Christ, he's now uh, revealed that. And now make, Paul's making it known to the churches. And he's writing this to the church. He, goes, I'm, he says, God has made known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. And, and that ultimate purpose is in verse 10, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, in Jesus, things in heaven and things on earth. So what's he mean there? Here's a, here's the mystery of his will that God in Christ was not only didn't give his life to forgive us our sins, but he had has purpose to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. We sometimes bring together everything, whether bringing unity to all things in heaven and earth underneath the authority of Christ. And so he's praying this in chapter 1, where he talks about he's praying about the wisdom and knowledge and revelation to know him and his purpose and his mystery that's made known in Christ. This is part of the mystery. It's not just that we, we know Christ as our Savior, but do we understand God had this bigger plan, this, this purpose that in Christ, in the fullness of time, when the kingdom comes in its completeness and its fullness, that all things in heaven and on earth will be brought into unity underneath the authority and lordship of Jesus Christ. So what we looked at in chapter 2, verse 1 through 10, before we're going to look at uh, today, starting in 11 through 22, in verse 1 through 10, 
Paul further uh, describes or uh, gives some particulars to the mystery that God that God has revealed now in Christ. And in verse 1 through 10, we looked at uh, this past couple of weeks uh, that we were dead in our sins and trespasses. We were, we were, we were uh, sons of disobedience, but that's who we were. We were separated from God. But he says, but the mystery is God made us alive. We didn't have to, before they had to do all the religious duties and requirements and somehow try to uh, provide sacrifice to be right with God. But God God made us alive. God has raised us up. God has seated us with Christ. God provided the the, the, uh, sacrifice for us to be reconciled to him. And then it talks about we are God's workmanship. His masterpiece created for good works for us to walk in. That's those are part of the mysteries we mystery we've already looked at. That was the people seeing that God was at work raising up a people, making them alive in Him, re, re, uh, re, reconciling them and having a relationship with them, and raising up that, that spiritually they're seated with Christ, and they're His workmanship, they're, they're His handiwork in regards to having them be a partner in the work He's doing in the earth, and He's called them to walk in, and that's us. And no, we, we no. That's just not just individually. It's important to remember this. It's it's this is where his workmanship or his his masterpiece as an individual. He created us specifically for things to do individually, but more so also that there's this corporate this community of faith that we connect to these body believers that together that is his masterpiece is the body of Christ. That's what really it's going to be pointing to the church, the body of Christ is God's masterpiece, his master design. The the church, both globally and locally, has had, was and has been God's intention in Christ before time that he would have a people united, being the body of Christ, with Christ to head over that body, and them uh, bringing the blessings of the kingdom into the world they live in. So that's what we've looked at so far of the mystery First of all, there is a mystery God's unfolding and revealing, and Paul's writing about it. Part of it's 1 through 10 of chapter 2, and then verse 11, let's just look at verse 11 of chapter 2. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Paul starts this verse with the word therefore, or it could also mean so then. Uh, so why is he Paul saying this? So he's 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 talked about the mystery being unfolded, all things in heaven and earth being united under the lordship of Christ. There's prayer for revelation, understanding for us to for us to know God, His will and His purposes that are made known in Christ. And then parts of those things have been revealed in verse one through ten. And now he goes, so then, and he's going to say, what's the purpose? He's making a transition to unpack more of what was just said in chapter 2, verse 1 through 10. He's going to, he's going to bring out more of the mystery he's mentioned in chapter 1 that was hidden in God that's now being revealed. And as we go through chapter 2 and we get into chapter 3, Paul's going to continue to unpack what this mystery is, different aspects of it. And, and then chapters 4 through 6 is some practical application of how to live out that, that, that mystery, that, that uh, unifying of all things underneath Christ's lordship in the future, how to live those things out practically in, relationship, in relationships 
now, between this time, between now and, and the coming of Christ later. So let's read chapter eleven, um, chapter two, verse eleven through twenty-two, and then we'll unpack that some more. And talk about some more of the mystery that Paul's talking about. And um, let's read. It says, verse eleven. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you at that time were separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in the ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. From the time we started in chapter 1, verse 1, up until Ephesians 2, uh, verse 10, Paul has been addressing the church in, in a general way, everybody in the church. He's writing to all of them in a general way. And then all of a sudden here in verse 11, something changes. Paul singles out uh, the Gentiles and segregates them by the, the church, but them by either being Jew or Gentile. Now the question is, why does Paul do this here? And why, what's his reasoning and what's the purpose for this? Well, let's look at that. Well, first of all, the very second word in verse 11 Paul says, therefore, remember. He says, remember. What, what does Paul do in verse 11 through 22 that's very similar to verses 1 through 10? In chapter 2, verse 1 through 10, he calls them all to remember something of their past as a constant, as a, as a contrast to their present and their future. And now here in chapter 2, verse 11 through 22, he calls those in the church to remember with a focus specifically only on the Gentile believers. And, and, and he calls them to, who they, to remember who they were in the past in contrast to who they are now. Now, as they are reading this and hearing this for the very first time, there's Jews and Gentiles in this church community that are hearing this. And Paul is singling out the Gentiles and saying, remember who you were and who you are now in Christ, right? And so both the Jews and Gentiles hear this. They both need to know how God views and treats the Gentiles. See, Paul is, is right here, he's disclosing more of the mystery that God purposed in Christ. And that, that, that mystery, part of that mystery that was hidden in the heart of God is that the Gentiles are part of that mystery, that, God, that the plan God has purposed before time was that the Gentiles would be part of the church and about the, the, the part of the body of the Christ. 
Now let's look at verse 12 and verse 19 and how the Gentiles were viewed and, and who saw them this way in verse 12 and 19. Let's look just at verse 12. Remember, now he's writing, this is Paul writing to the Gentiles and the people in the church that are reading this and hearing this. And there are Jews and Gentile. He says, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. He's talking about before you were believers. They were believers. You were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and were strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. See, they were, they were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. They were excluded from citizenship and they had no rights or privileges in that community. And they were strangers from the covenants of promise. See, they were, they were without any share in the covenant promises and assurance of God's gracious gifts to them. And they had no hope. There was no favor, favorable or confident expectation of, of any good coming to them from God. And see, they were without God in the world. They were destitute of God. They were void of any true recognition of God. And they were excluded from having communion with God. The Gentiles were considered as outside of any covenant relationship with God. And they were seen as having no part in God or his plan without Christ being in a, being in a place of utter hopelessness. Now let's look at Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19. So then, you are no longer strangers or aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So Paul was saying at one point you were viewed as strangers, you were seen as outsiders, you had no relationship or any connection or communion with God, you were aliens, foreigners in the land, dwelling in a land not your own, having no rights and not being able to settle down in that land. So, so here, this is Paul, verse 12 and 19, is giving a picture of how Gent- Gentiles were viewed by ethnic Jews. And so the Jews, those, whether they are inside of Christ or outside of Christ, they treated the Gentiles, they saw them that way, they spoke to them that way, and thought of them that way, spoke of them that way. And from this perspective, um, and the Jews thought, this is really this is really how God saw them. So this is the, the, the Jewish people's uh, perspective about how they should see the Gentiles and how they believe uh, God saw the Gentiles. But what does Paul say in verse 13 and, verse, and, and also in verse 4 of chapter 2 that is similar? Um, let's, look at, let's read verse 13 first. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. In chapter 2 verse 4, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. See, in verse 13, he says, but now. And in verse 4, but God. So in both those verses, Paul interrupts who they were. It, it generally is everybody in the church and then also specifically Gentiles. And he interrupts who they were to transition to who they are because of what God has done. And so, what's Paul doing here? In verse 4, he's contrasting who they were before Christ to who they are now in Christ, applied to all believers. But in verse 13, Paul is singling out who the Gentiles were and contrasting who the Gentiles were before belief in Christ and who they are at this very moment because of Jesus Christ. They were far off, but now they are brought near. So in verse 12 and verse 19... What Paul is getting at is saying is they were outside the covenant promises, but now, but not anymore. 
They have been brought near, and they, they share in the covenant promises provided in Christ's blood. They are no longer strangers to God, or they're, vo- they're no longer void of God, but recognized as members of God's household, recognized as having communion with Him and having all the privileges of a citizen of God's community. It is no longer based on the natural bloodline of Abraham, but through the, through the supernatural bloodline of Jesus. And now who is this being said to? No, remember, he, he segregated him. Initially, he started off in chapter 1, verse 1, all the way to 2.10, of talking to them to all of them generally together as a group. And then now in verse 11 through 22, he separates them. And he's, he's saying this for the sake of both the Gentiles and the Jewish believers. See, believing Gentiles should no longer see or call themselves by this previous description. They would have been seen by the Jews, and they would have been treated that way, spoken of that way by them. But now as believers, Gentile believers, not all Gentiles, but Gentile believers, they're not to be seen. They should not see themselves this way or call themselves by this kind of description of who they were. They call themselves by who they are right now as members of God's household, having communion with them and having the same privileges of, of anyone else in the, in the community of, of faith. And he's saying to believing Jews, you should, you should see these Gentile believers in this new light, and you should embrace them as who God has, made, has now made them to be. Both Jews and Gentiles should see each other as kin of the same family related by the blood of Christ. This would also impact how both Jew, Gentiles and Jews viewed not, non-believing Gentiles and non-believing Jews. This is part of the mystery that's now being revealed that, that Paul talks about in verse 9 and 10 of chapter, of chapter 1 that we read earlier, this, this that was hidden in the past, where God singled out the Jews and, and called them to be his people. And now that Christ has come, there's something else being revealed here. That God's intent was all along was the Gentiles and the Jews who became believers in Christ would come together as one, be seen together as, as part of God's household, having communion with Him and having communion with each other. See, this, was, this is what God's intent was all along. Now, uh, let's look at the original promise in uh, uh, Genesis chapter uh, 18, verse 18. Kind of going back in the Old Testament and seeing where this this these uh, this promise was made to Abraham, and seeing that Abraham, uh, verse eighteen, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. And then Genesis twenty two eighteen, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. Now let's look at Galatians 3.16 and the way Paul interprets for us what that promise to Abraham uh, in Genesis was, was meant for in Christ. See, the, up to, before Christ, they saw it a certain way uh, in a perspective that Paul is now reinterpreting and re, giving them a, a, a revelation of the mystery, what God's intent was from the beginning. In, in Galatians 3.16, he says, now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring, like we read in verse uh, chapter 2 of Genesis, verse 18, and to his offspring. It does not say into offsprings as a plural, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. 
Now, this is Paul, who is a Jew, and uh, his understanding of the Old Testament, and now in Christ, there's this revelation he has received from God that he's now disclosing this mystery being known as God's intent from the very beginning. And people may hear this and say uh, that it, it's it's bringing, putting down the Jewish believers. No, no, it's not putting that. They're still part of God's, God's people. And what Paul is saying is the Gentiles all along were meant to be a part of that community of faith also. And to see them now in light of what God has done in saving them, just like he saved the Jews, and see them together, unified in Christ as the body of Christ. So it's not putting down one group, it's raising the other group up to what God's intent was from the very beginning, that in Christ, the offspring, the single, singular offspring who is Christ, that God promised to Abraham that all nations would, of the earth would be blessed through, meaning the Gentiles also would experience the fullness of the blessings and the covenants that comes through Christ and Christ alone. The promise God made to Abraham is that all nations on the earth would be blessed through his offspring, who is Jesus. See, Abraham was figuratively a missionary seed that God sovereignly chose to plant in the land. God does this right, right after he cho- chose to divide and scatter the people, the nations, from the land at the Tower of Babel. See, they came together and they were trying to build that tower. And God divides them and scatters them through the, through the, the earth. And, and, and they scatter to the different nations. And God promised Abraham and calls Abraham. And he's like a missionary seed. He calls Abraham. And then he says that, that through your seed, through Christ, that God would bless the nations, all these divided, scattered people. And then he would make them one new man. We're going to see that in, in verse 15 of chapter 2. And, and that, that one new man that would not just possess the original land, but would reign with Christ over all creation. If you read, we'll, we'll actually get to that and read Revelation 5, 9. But uh, Psalm, let's look at Psalm chapter 2, verse 7 through 8. He says, I will tell of the decree the Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I'll make the nations your heritage, your inheritance, and the ends of the earth your possessions. Now, this psalm is, is uh, prophetically speaking of, of what, what, what uh, Christ the Son is to ask for and what we, his people, as his body are to be asking for. Christ the Son is asking for the nations as his inheritance. Now let's go back to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, part of the prayer Paul prays. He says, And having the eyes of your heart enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you and what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. See, see God's intent all along in Christ is all nations. And Paul is praying in Ephesians 1, 18, that the church would be enlightened. The Jews and Gentiles alike in that community would know what God's inheritance is. All the nations, not just ethnic Jews, but all believers, whether Jew or Gentile, and from all nations. In Matthew 28, 19, where Jesus says his last instruction to the disciples, he says, Go therefore and make disciples of some nations. No, I'm sure you've heard it. That's not right. I put the word some there. 
uh, go therefore and make all make disciples of all nations. That's what, what Jesus told the disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. All nations, not just some, not just one, but all nations. And Paul's bringing out this this um, this mystery is now being disclosed that the Gentiles are part of the body of Christ, and they're supposed to be seen as part of his community. And seen as part of the nations that the offspring, the seed of Abraham, Jesus, would give his life for. Now let's read Revelation 5, 9. This is now the fullness of time. John is there uh, getting an, uh, some uh, a picture of what the future holds for uh, the, 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 all humanity in Christ. And we're talking about the promise that all things be united uh, in heaven and earth underneath Christ and his lordship. And it's verse uh, 9 of chapter 5. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed the people for God from every tribe and language and people and nations. God's intent was never just to show favor to and redeem only one ethnically pure group of people, meaning like the Jewish people and to just give them a, a piece of dirt. No, the people and the land, uh, that imagery was not the end goal, but a shadow of a greater end in reality in Christ, that all nations, every tribe, people from every tribe, tongue, people, nations, would come together as one people underneath the Lordship of Jesus Christ and being partners with him and caring for all his creation. Now, the, See, now the, the, the reality... So Paul is letting them know, both the Jews and Gentiles in the church, that, the, that believing Gentiles are now equal partners with believing Jews in, in God's covenant plans. To the Gentiles of that time frame, it would have been glorious news to them. Now for the Jewish reader of that time frame, they would have recognized all the, all the terms Paul was using because they were were previously terms uh, reserved for Israel alone. But now Paul is speaking and using these terms to refer to the church, which includes Gentiles. This is more of the mystery being revealed. For the Jewish reader, this would have required this radical shift in the way they thought, what they believed, and, and how they behaved because of that. And this is why Paul was so persecuted by the church, by, excuse me, by, by the Jews, excuse me, inside and outside the church. These truths were impacting long-held, long-entrenched cultural and spiritual beliefs and prejudices. So you see a little bit more of the detail of the mystery that Paul is uh, revealing or teaching the church that what God has given him, or what God purposed from before time. In Christ Jesus, there was more than just salvation and forgiveness to people. But there is this, is, a, is all nations coming together. And this is making a way where Paul is going to further describe the mystery of the body of Christ and the, and the unity we're supposed to live within. And, uh, and to, to understand that, and to do that, we're, it's going to have to change. We're going to have to, people's minds are going to have to change. And, and this was a drastic change in that time frame. But we deal with the same kind of mindsets and prejudices that we sometimes can have with, uh, with other people. And 
it's it's important for us to see this. We may not have the same kind of um, differences like Jew and Gentile of that day, but there's other differences we have with other people, and we and we need to recognize that we can be predisposed to these certain kinds of mindsets, whether they're culturally, spiritually, emotionally, that cause us to miss and to uh, uh, misunderstand God's complete picture and cause us to hinder and hurt others or ourselves and, and get in the, way of, in the way of God's plan. And so we need to have a heart and a mind that's, that's teachable, open to being renewed uh, so we can see and so we can embrace who we are now. But not only who we are, but also who our brothers and sisters are and who they are not. And so it's important for us to learn this lesson here. Just as Paul's writing to them where there was a deep animosity between Jews and Gentiles, and now they're in the body of Christ together trying to work these all and these, these preconceived ideas about each other and what each other thought about one another. It's the same way today. We can have these same kind of mindsets, and we have to be teachable. We have to be willing to allow God to show us those things in our heart that are getting in the way and causing, uh, say, friction or animosity or, or, or the lack of real sense of unity uh, that's not just on the surface putting on a show, but something deeper that we really become unified one with one another. And that's what Paul Paul's talking about here. This mystery is going to he's going to get further detail of this as we as we move on. Now let's close for for this week and next week we'll pick back up in these same verses, verse eleven through twenty two. There's a lot more to dig into here and and and, and uh, look at, and so we will do that next episode. Until next week, you be blessed.